Hey there, it's Mike Tramp, and you're listening to White Lion Fever, where rock and roll is still alive like it always has been and it always will be. Okay, welcome to White Lion Fever. My name is Steve Mascot. This is the start of the show, but our guest you heard on last week's show, I don't know if I did a show a week, but the last show, uh, and it's Ian Moss. Welcome back, Ian. Steve, how are you? Good, good, good. Now, um, tell me about, um, um, you know, you just did a Barking Spiders show. Well, that must have been awesome. I'm sure the merch went crazy. Did you do Barking Spiders merch? I just wonder, when the band gets back together, is it actually... Jim, Don, you know, you, you pick up the phone? Or is it like lawyers and management, you know, when you get an offer? Like, is it, is it still like a personal thing or has it, or has it become kind of a business thing, you know? Oh, possibly more business. It's, it's definitely, uh, you know, for the past nearly 10 years now, um, we've had great, great management um, through John Watson and John O'Donnell in uh, 11 management, they're called. Um, and they've just got great, great ears and eyes for for the, for the things to go for. So, so we pretty much let them let, let them dr- uh, drive it and come up mm-hmm. with suggestions. And uh, more often than not, everyone's um, yeah, it's work work. They've got the timing right. Sort of you know, we're doing cold chisel, and then there's time for Barnes to do. His, you know, he's been promoting his books. Uh, yeah, Don's released an album. I've been working hard on, on an album, so it's um, it's all. Just seems to be panning out, rolling out nicely, and mm. uh, Cold Chisel is still, you know, we've still got some more business to do. Mm. Now I've got the glasses on. Now it means I'm about to ask the hard questions I prepared earlier. Uh. Now, <laughs> um, the, I wanted to ask you about Petrolhead, um, the last album of fully, fully, last yeah, studio, yeah, yeah, last studio album of all new material. How do you look back on that album? It was kind of like it kind of <laughs> tapped into, I guess the it was, it, you know, the, the hard rock that was prominent at the time and the, the whole chisel thing and um, the stuff now is uh, the new album's more bluesy and reflective and stuff like that how do you look back on Petrolhead uh, yeah it was interesting uh, that sort of, uh, Don, Don Walker produced it and uh, he, he was definitely keen to to lean on keep keep a, a bluesy hard rock edge to it but lean on more oh, I don't know sort of uh, you know that darker left scene by using writers like Ian Ryland and mm. um and uh, <laughs> uh, I've forgotten the other guy's name. That's where I'm supposed to know. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and so yeah, had a fun. Yeah, look, um, some great songs there. Great fun. Um, uh, no, very happy with that. It's just quite a contrast to Matchbook and Worlds Eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the new album, which is self-titled, um, it's it's gone back more towards a Matchbook, but uh, but. But the difference is this time I've written the lion's share of the stuff, mm-hmm. and I do feel a lot more of a connect. Even there's a great, great variety of songs on the new album. Uh, I do feel a strong connect, uh, mainly because it's 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 come because uh, nearly every song has come from me. Mm-hmm. It's very different songs, but they're, they're, there's a connection between them all. I feel, I feel a little. I've I've had a few people now saying, you know, this is I've, it sounds like you, mm-hmm. like for the first time they said mm-hmm. the first time you it sounds like you. Mm-hmm. Creatively, yeah. creatively, what's it like to have an idea and it just sit there in your brain for for twenty years? I mean, is it is it is it annoying? Is it like a is it like Chinese water torture? Is it drip drip drip? I mean, yeah. it, 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 what's what's it like? Yeah, you're right. There are a couple of, <laughs> a couple of songs. It's not over. Is uh, one song 
on the album, which I'm very happy with the way it turned out. Um, yeah, it's one of those things, it's that, that classic sort of all these great ideas lying, as I like to say, lying moribund mm. the wrong side of the, the, the wrong side of the finishing line. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, help me, come on, get me over the finish line. You have another go and can't get it there. You have another go, can't get it there. Oh, fuck. Yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's hard work. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, it got to Nashville and we did all the writing. Uh, except for that, that song actually was uh, written by myself and Peter Walker. Um, yeah, you can get the get the right environment and, and stick at it. Um, I guess you can get there. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's have another song. Hold on is another favourite song. This is uh, quite in contrast to uh, If Another Day. This is definitely more R and B soul, as in sort of Marvin Gaye that kind of thing. that way baby I know what's on your mind we haven't had enough of each other in such a long long time sometimes the words are useless for what it is we're trying to get across such and such for the right way, baby But I'm always at a loss So tell me why Does it have to be so hard To do the easiest things And why If we both just do our part All we have to do is let go All we have to do is The little things we feel When all that really matters Darling Is love we know is real I'm still learning to listen And I got a ways to go But there's a lot more in the silence Darling, darling
open that fine bottle of wine Spin them old records again We got plenty of time And when we wake up tomorrow We won't believe how far we've come Ahead into all we have left, baby. With all the loving, all the loving that we've done. And why does it have to be so hard to do the easiest thing? And why, if we both just do our part, all we have to do is let go. All we have to do is. Welcome back to the program. Our next guest, uh, sometimes uh, people, we don't get them for, we, you know, we get caught up. Uh, we don't get them for a week or we chase them around for a month or a year. This fella called early. How diligent is he? It's uh, Bjorn from Night Flight Orchestra. How are you? Good. Good. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, Bjorn. Um, now, uh, we're talking about the, the new album, uh, Sometimes the World Ain't Enough. Um, mate, um, the, the, I guess uh, it's got a spacey theme in the artwork. Um. Uh. What? 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 The title sounds like a kind of James Bond film title. Where, where did that come from? Well, there's no real connection to James Bond. It's basically <laughs> connected to to the previous album Amber Galactic, since it was only released like a year ago. Uh, and if you see that cover, there's this girl in the cover, and she's sort of, you know, curious, trying to make up her mind. You know, she's curious about space, and she's holding that helmet and. Uh, on the new one, sometimes the world ain't enough. She's sort of convinced. She made up her mind, and the helmet is on, the spacesuit is on, and and she came to the conclusion: sometimes the world ain't enough. You know, right. so there's that connection. And basically, what it is, we've taken a lot of sort of personal experiences and put them in a different setting. And for these two albums, it's it's space. You know, uh, we've we've gone through a lot of weird stuff on on the road you know being with soul work on the road for 20 years and and uh, it's sort of hard to take those stories and put them into sort of metal lyrics so i guess that's sort of liberating that we've taken all those stories and and, and sort of made a soundtrack for it with, with the night flight orchestra right and i did read in one of the bios that the stories um i mean you know stuff about like i don't know what was one of them like waking up uh, waking up uh, somewhere wearing only leather pants and all this sort of stuff like uh are they are they all like I mean do you keep a diary uh, or is it just stuff that you've shared and you you, you want to recount and you want to sort of uh, uh, put a narrative around it so it's not just like a a, a tell all book or an answer an interview you know like um are they all true what's the, what what is the weird what is the what is the what is the number one sort of story that you wanted to tell you know 
Well, I mean, most of them are true, you know, and, and, uh, I should have kept a diary uh, during those years. And, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't end up in weird situation as often anymore, probably because I cut down on the drinking that I have to do with it. Yeah. No, but there's, there's been some weird times. I mean, we ended up in the middle of the night at this, this, uh, woman's place in Montreal and she, she, somehow was like a dominatrix and we didn't really count on that and she opened this wall full of like whips and chains and this and that and then she had sort of a subdued person who suddenly showed up and he's like oh let's get the hell out of here you know stuff yeah. like that you know uh, like um, we we didn't count on it like you would count on someone being a dominatrix <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's basically an after party and we just tagged along in a taxi you know and then you know th that happened and yeah do you it, think uh, it was very surreal, the whole thing. Do you think the space imagery is kind of tied up with... It's it's tied up with prog, isn't it? It was like they're almost, they're more, almost inseparable. Uh, like they had that Space Rocks thing here in London a month ago, uh, which a fellow called Alex Millas, who I know, he ran it. And it's kind of like prog and space just go together. I know you don't think what you do is necessarily prog, but do people kind of prejudge it? Do they go, oh, there's, some, some, there's an illustration of a woman in a space suit. It must be a prog album, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, some people sort of make that connection. You know, I guess I can't blame them. It goes together very well. Uh, but it's, yeah, I mean, I, I think th th this band is a little bit different. It's not, I mean, there are prog elements, you know, but it, it's it, it's a different take on it, I think. And um, and uh, it's it's very diverse, you know. I think we've hijacked an era and made it into our own, basically. And uh, it's it's a very... I don't know. It's it's just very liberating, and there are no really boundaries to to what we can do, which we sort of, you know, I guess we get high on that fact a little bit, you know. So, yeah. um, but uh, I mean, then we also have a guitarist who reads like five sci-fi books every week <laughs> while, while he's drinking beer in the bathtub. <laughs> so, so it might have to do with it as well. How do you prepare for an album like this? Do you sit down and listen to I don't know Toto, or you know, like do you do you uh, try to get yourself in the in the um, mood, or is it is it always there in the background somewhere? It's always there. We don't even have to try. It's 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 always there, and it's a constant thing. We never really leave the studio. We always keep on having re recording sessions because we have two producers within the band with their own studios. Um, yeah. So it's it's never you know a situation where we sit down and say like, okay, guys, it's time to write a new album. It just keeps on going. I mean, I woke up to this Facebook post a couple of days ago that was posted one year ago uh, by the Nightflight Orchestra saying, sorry, we couldn't keep out of the studio. Our sincere <laughs> apologies, the Nightflight Orchestra. <laughs> so that was that was posted like a couple of days after, I think, Amber Galactic came out. So I think that says it all right there. And it must be fun to have people, uh, an infrastructure around you where people believe in you to the extent that they can allow that to happen, you know, that you can yeah. be artistic like that and, and you can put food on the table at the same time. It's a blessing, really, isn't it, you know? Yeah, it definitely is. Let's have a song. Yes. Uh, which one should we pick? Uh, let's pick uh, Paralyzed. <laughs>
Bjorn from the Nightfly Orchestra, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Welcome back to White Line Fever, third part of our interview uh, with Phil Lewis of LA Guns. I want to thank him for his time. Um, he, he did mention, listeners, you would have heard this in the previous episode, that he was even sacked from LA Guns once um, uh, in every other job he's ever had. Um, now, LA Guns, apparently, is it supposed to be some sort of record at 48, 48 people? Is it now 48 with Johnny Monaco uh, have been in the band? I, I, I think I, so. I, I, there, there are um, somewhere near the 50 mark of people out there that can say at one time they were a member of L.A. Guns. Mm. Um, and and uh, that's, that, that's, that's pretty funny, if you ask me. Um, that's what happens when there are two versions of the same band mm. touring at the same time. It happens. It's just one of those things, and it's it, it's disastrous. It's terrible, mm. terrible for the fans. It's terrible uh, for the two bands involved in it. Uh, but it was just the reality uh, that that we were dealt. It was it was a uh, it was it was something we just had to deal with professionally. Mm. Uh, and when you've got two bands, uh, touring bands, going through uh, various players. Um, frequently, as, as as you do in the touring situation, uh, it doesn't take long for the numbers to go up. Uh, I think, to be fair, um, the 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 people that I've played with, I, I, it's been about ten people in in my in my my experience in my my life in LA Guns have been around ten different players, mm. which isn't very much. It's certainly not much over a. Uh, not much when you think it. I've been doing it since '87. Yeah, that's because. Um, sorry. With, with two versions, and, and there was versions. Um, a version. There was a band when I was. I wasn't in the band for six years. You know, I I, I left. I left the music business. Um, so they had all kinds of members. Um, the guy, um, Ralph um, from uh, Michael Starr. Yeah. Steel. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Steel Panther. He was the singer. He was a singer in L.A. Guns. He did a pretty good job. Jizzy Pearl, of course. Mm. Uh, Chuck, the bass player from uh, Alice Cooper's band, yep. uh, was, in, was in L.A. Guns. Unfortunately, I wasn't in the band at that time. I love him. He's great. Mm. I would have loved to have been in a band with him. Um, but you never know. This is L.A. Guns. You never know. I'm, he might be in it next week. Because <laughs> my follow-up question was going to be, if it, you know, it's obviously you said it's not something you're necessarily proud of, then it must be. It's a big call to then, you know, have another um, lineup change, isn't it? When it's it's kind of something that you'd, you'd rather, you, I, I guess, oh, you'd rather keep it as, as steady as possible now, you know. Well, yeah, of course, um, but you know, there there are there are situations, you know, that are beyond our control. You know, if if something comes up and, and somebody can't stay and they've got to move on and you got to replace them, you know, so. Um, it has to be fluid. Mm. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people are, are curious why we didn't get Mick and Kelly uh, back in the reunion, the original um, bass player and guitar player. And, uh, the fact is that, that we asked them and, and they either didn't want to or they couldn't. Like mm. Mick couldn't because he's got like family, he's got a home business and everything. And Kelly didn't want to. Mm. Um, so we just sort of forged ahead with the players that we had. Mm. And uh, I, I think, you know, it's 
it's pretty much accepted now that, that you know, it, if, it, if it's me and Tracy uh, playing together, then, then that's LA Guns. Mm. You know, that's the nucleus and, and uh, you know, trust us, we'll get the best players available and it's going to sell great. Yeah, yeah. I want to just ask, just, uh, just two more questions I was going to ask. Um, uh, one is about being an, an, an immigrant. And I know that um, a lot of interviews you've said, you know, you, when you got to uh, America, you felt like you're in the promised land. And and you never want to come back. I mean, I'm um, I'm in London at the moment. You never want to come back here. And I've just kind of moved here, and I guess I kind of feel the same way, you know. And I just wonder why um, immigrants are so strident about not wanting to go back, and 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 they tell themselves that that, that this is this is where I'm supposed to be. Why do you think? Right. Why do you think we well, feel like I mean, that? I, I I can't I can't speak for you, mm. um, but. Uh, you know, I, I died and went to heaven in 1987 mm. uh, when I got a call from Tracy uh, to come out to Hollywood and, and uh, sing in his band that was just about to, to blow up in the Hollywood scene. Mm. I, that, that's, that's just a gift from God. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, London, uh, for me, uh, was miserable at that time. You know, it was, it was bleak. You know, we were... It was, um, <clears throat> I just, I've been uh, in, in playing with Bernie Torme and, and we've been, you know, setting the clubs on fire. We've been doing great, but we couldn't get arrested. We couldn't get a record deal because the, the, the labels wanted like, you know, cheesy, wholesome, bubblegum, Duran Duran, um, you know, culture club kind of music. And, and they were scared to death of rock and roll. So, um... You know, I was, I, I, I said I was playing with Bernie at the time, but I got fired from him. He fired me from his tent. <laughs> uh, good re- I, actually, I can't even remember why, but I mean, we were over it anyway. And, and so I was just spinning my wheels. And then, you know, when, when the phone rang and it, that opportunity opened up, um, yeah, that was, that was amazing to come over and, 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 uh, it was like, you know, like being a, a Roman god, you know, just, just, Walking around, you know, going into the cat house and just, just like hundreds of gorgeous girls and, and, and just, just like everyone listening to my favorite type of music. You know, everybody's really cool. Everyone's real friendly. Uh, it, it was, the weather was fantastic. It, it was just amazing. Mm. So, yeah, I was in no hurry to, to get back to rainy London. Mm. No offense. I, 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 uh, I wish you all the luck. <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was, it, it was a wonderful city. When I lived there, but no, fuck that. I'm never going back. Yeah, yeah. Well, Phil, I want to thank you for your time. I got to say, I mean, um, I can see why another interview two days ago two, might have gone over time because uh, you're a great uh, storyteller. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I, I, I go on a bit, but uh, <laughs> good. I'm glad we could sort that out. Yeah, and um, you know, you know the, I couldn't. And there was a there was a post a couple of weeks ago, I think, where you said, oh, you don't like doing interviews and you, you didn't understand why you were supposed to talk to Eddie Trunk and so I expected you to be a bit reticent but I guess that was because of what else was going on at the time. Yeah. You know, my, my attitude is, is I don't really do interviews just for the sake of them but, you know, we're coming over to Australia and I'm excited about it and I want as many people to know about it as possible and, and if you want to ask me other questions uh, while we're talking about that, then, then that's fine. But for the most part, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of these people that, that necessarily has to, you know, make sure that I'm in the public eye the whole time. And uh, that's, that's, 
that's that's I'm kind of more private than that. Yeah, well, uh, let's have a final song. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll stick with the new record. Um, this is this is my favourite. This one is called The Flood. It's just the fall of the rain.
What's up, rockers? This is Phil Lewis from LA Guns, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Turn it up. And um, uh, follow us on Twitter, WLF Podcast, and like us on uh, iTunes, all that sort of stuff. Um, special rugby league guest uh, now. I've got Slade Griffin, who just made his debut for New Zealand yesterday here in Denver. Um, I don't know where to start with the questions, mate. What an incredible experience. Yeah, mate, awesome experience. Um, you know, we're very disappointed about the result. Um, but we're going to work on that. Um, in terms of, yeah, coming to Denver is really a good trip. They um, looked after us, <laughs> treated us like royalty a little bit there. Um, the staff done a tremendous job getting us prepared for that game and the coaches. Um, yeah, it was a different uh, different ball game, all right, playing in the altitude and the conditions here. Um, yeah, we just shot ourselves in the foot a bit during that game. Um, made it very hard on ourselves, but, yeah, it was just... Um, Personally, it was an awesome experience coming into camp and, you know, being, rubbing shoulders with some of these uh, players and, um, yeah, what a buzz to pull in the black and white. Tell us about, what about the week surprised you? Was it anything about the travel or the town or the, the game or the razzmatazz at the ground or the dressing room? Is there any, what were you most surprised about this week, you know? Um, <laughs> no, it was kind of everything I expected. Yeah, training was really upbeat and um, obviously the skill level was high. Um, it was just cool to come come to you know the US um, the city's very cruisy but yeah it's just things like having to adjust your sleeping pattern and um, yeah getting over the jet lag and that but like I said they took very good care of us and yeah mm. mate, mate uh, Isaac Luke was uh, I suppose your, was he your mentor in the lead up to this game <laughs> yeah yeah um, oh he's a great player isn't he um, yeah I guess I'm one of his apprentices now he's had a lot of a lot of successful ones in McInnes uh, Curacao and um, Damien Cook, so yeah, I learned a few things off him, and um, it was yeah, uh, Madge kind of talked to me and said, you know, he's had these apprentices, and he's like, he's a very good uh, teacher actually. Kind of just gives you little tips here and there, and yeah, he's uh, a great leader as well. Mate, can you take us behind the scenes of when you got picked and when you got the phone call? And I guess there's still a bit of a transitional period with some blokes aren't here; they might come back into the team at the end of the year, so. How much did you have to worry about the sort of politics of this match when you got picked, or were you able to just just forget about that and let other people take care of that? You know. Yeah, I guess you just got to focus on playing good football for your club. Mm-hmm. Um, Madge only told me about two weeks before that I was in contention, and um, yeah, the suspense has kind of killed me a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, I just had to play well at club footy, and then you know things like this will look after itself. Um, Madge gave us a little bit of a spray after the game and told us what we need to work on to be in the team at the end of the year. So, um, yeah, you'll be seeing a lot of Kiwis playing well for their clubs, I think, if they want to earn their spot again. Mate, um, there's some incredible skill in the team, isn't there? Some of the footy you played yesterday was dazzling, particularly in the first sort of 20 minutes. Yeah, it was. Um, fortunately, we might have got a bit too excited. <laughs> and, then, yeah, just um, our discipline really hurt us in the end. You know, uh, penalty count and um, errors really cost us and playing in those kind of conditions if you force yourself to do that much defence um, it's going to hurt you and it did uh, you know so we'll learn from that um. Are you um, you spent a, a week in camp with these fellas are you relishing the possibility of being maybe in England and France for eight weeks so in this environment oh yeah that'd be amazing <laughs> um, you know I was a bit disappointed with how the game went for me um, didn't get too much opportunities there just kind of defend the whole time but um yeah, look, I'd love to get another opportunity there, and I know these opportunities don't get handed to you. Um, it's one thing I've learned through my career, so 
I'll be playing my best and you know doing what Madge wants us to do and um, to build a new culture and the type of player he wants to um, pull on the black and white. Mate, it's really nice of you to um, talk to us the day after your test debut. Safe trip home and uh, good luck. Thank you very much.
this is Mark Kendall from Great White. You're listening to White Line Fever. Okay, welcome back to the program. It's the third and final part of our interview with Joey Tempest from Europe. Want to um, thank him for joining us. Now, the band was on hiatus for a long time. I think it was more than a decade. I just wonder what your memories of, are of, of that period, um, what you did, uh, whether it was a, um, a time of reflection for you, whether you look back on it fondly. Um, what, 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 how do you look back on that period? Uh, are you talking about the 80s, 90s? Yeah, yeah, well, like before you reformed, you know, before the band reformed and came back with, with, that, with the album, you know? The, the middle period when we didn't play together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, looking back at that period, in 92, we did our, we did our last show in uh, Portsmouth uh, in England, and we had a meeting in the two of us, and we actually said, let's take a break. I felt I wanted to do some solo stuff. I wanted to relearn. Re- I wanted to dig a bit deeper uh, uh, and do some solo stuff. And the other guys said I, I, some of them wanted to continue touring. They, they toured with, with Glenn Hughes and other bands. And, and John Norman moved to LA, of course. He, he was there doing albums. Um, I took it as a time that was a good time for the band because we can dig a bit deeper. And I, I started listening to everything, um, like Neil Young, Bob Dylan, Randy Newman and Jackson Brown and Van Morrison. I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn about songwriting and lyrics as well, mainly mm. lyrics. I wanted to be a bit, a, try to, to write more, exp- uh, with more expression. And, and so that period was important. I did three solo albums. The other guys, they toured and, and wrote and, and worked with other artists. I think in a way now, it, it was important. Mm. We were, we've been back for 11 years now, and, all, and that period where we didn't play together, all that experience from those different days we bring together to Europe now mm. and it becomes a bit deeper and more exciting I think Have you ever played a show or since the album came out without playing the final countdown? No but no we haven't I mean maybe there's been an acoustic show here and there where we've just done a few songs but no and the funny thing we, we, we were going to do it once but we, we got uh, we jinxed it I think we were going to download what the biggest festival we're going to the Download Festival in, in the UK, the biggest festival in the world, probably, uh, at one of them anyway. And we decided on the way that let's make let's make something different this time. Let's exclude. Let's not play the final count in the set. Can we imagine the Download audience? You know, it would be such a big boo and scream that we will get more more uh, publicity for that. <laughs> But the thing is, what happened was we didn't make it to the show. That year in particular, it was raining. People, we, were, we missed our slot with five minutes. A lot of other bands missed it too. They had to rearrange the whole festival. So we took it as a sign never to discuss uh, leaving it out. We actually had done it on the tour bus there. We said, let's take it out. That's a great story. Have you told that story before? <laughs> yeah. We didn't make it to the show, and now we've decided not to do that again. How would you describe, and you, know, you can ask musicians this about any you know, song that they're known for, do you have a love-hate relationship with the song? Do, do, do you kind of hate it sometimes, or, 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 or do, you, do, you, do you love it 100%? Are you in love with it all the time? No, I mean, to be honest, it's, we, we do love playing it live. People come together, whether it's a family festival or a heavy metal festival, it brings people together, and the band loves playing it live. It grooves a bit better. It's, these days, it's kind of, it's a great track live. But we don't rehearse it. We don't listen to it at home. Uh, <laughs> when we meet for a new rehearsal, we're going to meet to design the uh, Australian set list now, tomorrow, 
and we won't rehearse finally we don't have to do that it's in our bones yeah but uh, yeah no it's we have a good relationship with it because we've always had a different relationship to it than anybody else for us it was an album track it was a long track it was like almost six minutes it was a, a song for the show and it's always been like that for us but as a lot of other people around the world see Final Count and they have grown up with it or they've used it for certain things or it's, it's got its life of its own out there that song it's an amazing song it's, it's like a soundtrack I, I still think melodically it's it's kind of in a minor key, but it's uplifting. So that 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 thing in itself is kind of weird. The song about a spent Earth leaving Earth and uh, and looking for new frontiers. Um, and people use it for weddings and all kinds of stuff. That's kind of <laughs> kind of strange, but it, it's it's out there and, and it's it, it's got a grip of uh, of, uh, of people. And, and you know, it's one of those songs. One, it must be commercially valuable to you too. It must have been licensed to hundreds of times. But uh, what about? Um, I believe one of the songs on the new album is is a, in, was written as a sequel. Is it Pictures? Or was it was written as a sequel. Yeah, Pictures. Uh, the one of the, the more emotional songs on on Walk the Earth. We were working on that. That's an old idea I had musically and lyrically in the studio. We were in Abbey Road in Studio Three, where where. Um, Roger Waters wrote a lot of lyrics for, for Pink Floyd and it was kind of inspirational, you know, just being there. But we thought it would be nice to have a sequel. What happened to this guy that in 80, 85, 86 that flew out in space, these guys, and where is he now and what's going on with him? So the lyric was sort of loosely based on that idea and uh, whereas the music is there, the, the lyric was, yes, loosely based as a sequel to the Final Countdown lyric, yeah. Before we finish, I'll ask you sort of a philosophical question. Do you think we will eventually have to leave because we're sort of destroying the Earth? Do you think Do you think that one day maybe that song will be played at a launch? Uh, have you thought about it? Yeah, yeah it's an interesting uh, concept. I, I do believe in hope and, and, uh, and I'm very positive. I think we will, we will come around and save the planet as, as, as a race, but I think maybe out, maybe some outside forces in a million years could take care of the job. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I want to thank you for joining us, uh, Joey. Our time is up. One more song. All right. Yeah, well, what do you think? You, you, you can choose whatever you want. Well, maybe. How about this? Why don't we play the final countdown and pictures back to back? What do you think of that? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be a good idea.
gently drifting We get so lost in the past Letting go of the future Knowing yesterday won't last So I'll cut the cable The time is now We made it safe so far Maybe the universe is numb Venus shining clear and pleasant Among the mothers, many sons
I got a white line fever. Going to land down under. Going to turn around the corner, way down yonder. <laughs> but I'm not even going to try to rhyme anymore. <laughs> Michael Monroe here for White Line Fever. And you get a chance, come and check us out live. We're going to rock your socks off and whatever, rock like fuck. That's what I say, okay? <laughs> come on down and rock on.